Welcome to the Seed Time Money Podcast. We are your hosts, Bob and Linda Lodick. This is a hope-filled podcast that'll help you save, earn, give, grow, and actually enjoy your money. We don't hold anything back. We share everything that we've learned on our journey. Everything from being 100% broke, to paying off our house by age 31, to finding work with purpose, to giving more than we ever dreamed possible, all while having a blast on this adventure that God has led us on. And if you want to achieve true financial freedom and design a life of eternal impact, this is the show for you. We are so glad you're here. Let's get to it. I found this article on Medium. It says, if you want to be rich, you need to stop thinking like a poor person. And I read through this. I don't think it's written by a believer, but there's a lot of really good points in here and things that I think are important to talk about. Yeah, I think this is good because I feel like I've heard that a lot, but I'd sit there and I'm like, well, what the heck does that even mean? Like, how do I not think like a poor person? I just think the way I think, right? Yeah. Well, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about. That's kind of the whole point. I, and I think you probably did too, I'm curious, but I used to really struggle with the poverty mindset and just feeling like, I don't know, just defeatist uh, beliefs about myself and that I wasn't good enough in that I could never really amount to anything. I was always just doomed to be average and mediocre. Mm, yeah. Um, and that was like my life as a whole, but that bled into my beliefs about money and my beliefs about earning income. And um, yeah, that's what I was thinking is I feel like it's not just one thing that you're thinking about there. It's yeah. kind of like this whole well, I can never get that job because I'm not good enough with this or I'm not smart enough with this or whatever. And so it perpetuates this whole lifestyle instead of it just being about one thing, which is just the idea in my head, well, I just can't afford that right now. It's not that. It's the kind of the belief that my life isn't really going anywhere. My glory days are behind me, right? And we've seen a lot of people with this mentality. Uncle Rico is a classic example. From Napoleon Dynamite, (laughs) if you uh, don't recall. (laughs) Right? I mean, is that, that's kind of what we're talking about, right? I think so. I mean, and one of the reasons I want to talk about this in the podcast is because, so we just launched our investing course last month. Okay. And so I was emailing with a lot of different people talking about investing and it was fascinating how many people had these limiting beliefs and mindsets that, oh, I can never invest. That's just for really smart people. That's just Mm -hmm. for rich and wealthy people. That's for everyone. That's for these other people, but not me. I can't do that. And and just these really limiting beliefs, I was noticing like a good number of readers and listeners who were emailing. And I had to like think back because like God has done such a work in my heart and in my mind and reworked a lot of things in me mm-hmm. that I didn't realize how far I've come from where I was because yeah. I was so bound up with so much of this stuff. And over the years, he's just made, you know, these little incremental changes in my heart and understanding and belief and all this stuff. And now I look back and I'm like, oh, man, I used to think like that. But now I see the world so much differently mm-hmm. now. Anyway, so I want to attempt to start talking about some of these things on the podcast, which is why we're talking about this now. Yeah. And I think this is one of the things that you're really good at is making things that seem super complicated and like they're only for smart people and just kind of bringing it down onto the level where everybody can understand it. And yeah. you actually don't have to be as smart as you think you do. I mean, if you want to take it, you know, to the extreme, obviously, you probably need a little bit more education, but it's not as difficult as maybe we've thought in the past, right? Yeah. I mean, just money in general. Like there's so many people who just feel like I can never get ahead financially mm-hmm. because my parents were like this and this is just the way it's always been and therefore it always has yeah. to be this way. 
or I've always been in debt and therefore I'm always going to be in debt. Mm-hmm. And these limiting beliefs, um, like Proverbs, uh, what is it? I think it's 23 7 says that as a man thinks in his heart, so, so is, is he. he. There's something about the beliefs that we have that shape our world. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the church has kind of, or enough of the church has shied away from talking about this because they feel like it's new agey and they feel like this is too much. Um, name it and claim it and like, um, control your destiny by your words. But, but there's something here. And we talked about this in another podcast like a year or two ago, but, but just this idea, like I, one of the most fascinating revelations I ever had was that the first use of language in the Bible wasn't to communicate. Like, so we're communicating right now. I'm using words to communicate to you, mm-hmm. but that's not what it was used for first. God used it to create. And that is, so fascinating it to is me. It is fascinating. You know, and there's something there. There's something there. And so um, Dr. Caroline Leaf, which I love her, she has this quote that's really good. She says, as we think, we change the physical nature of our brain. As we consciously direct our thinking, we can wire out toxic patterns of thinking and replace them with healthy thoughts. And so there's yeah. something that is changing in our brains physically as we think. And so we have the opportunity to change how, you know, and there's so many scriptures that talk about this. Um, there's so many things mm-hmm. that uh, Jesus was saying about this as well. Like, there's something here about redirecting our thoughts from thoughts of failure and defeat and not who God made us to be, but realigning them with who God made us and created mm-hmm. us to be. Yep. And uh, it's just really important, especially when it comes to our money. Yeah. We're kind of taking this a completely different direction than I think we originally <laughs> thought. But Just going with it. Yeah. Um, so our pastor, she gave this message and it was based out of John 15. Oh shoot, 15? Okay. And it was that little section of scripture where it talks about abiding. Abide in me and my words will abide in you because a fruit does not, or a branch does not bear fruit unless it's abiding in the vine. Mm-hmm. And it says abiding over and over again. It says it 11 times in there. And so she based her whole message off of this idea of what does it mean to be abiding in him? And she asked this question and she said, in what areas of, are you, of your life are you doing but not abiding? So in other words, in what areas are you just trying to make it happen with your own smarts, with your own ability, with your own time, effort, all of that stuff, but you're not actually working any of that into this, like you're not fitting God into any of that basically. And it's all just about me and how much I can get done and how smart am I and whatever, instead of, Lord, what is the plan that you have for this idea? Literally today, I just sat down and I wrote a bunch of areas of my life where I'm like, this is where I'm doing and I'm not abiding and kind of challenging myself. And I think that this is a great one to do that in the area of finance or in the area of just how we think about money. How are we thinking about ourselves in whatever situation? And is there room for God in there? Have we left him out? (laughs) And Yeah. yeah, it's super challenging to me. I honestly cannot get that word, those words out of my head. Yeah. All right. So I want to talk through a few different things from this article, just because I think they're good talking points to chat about that line up here. And so this is practical stuff that you can do. Um, And so one of the first things in the article that he mentions is paying yourself first. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, 
my approach to this is a little bit different. Like, I don't believe we should pay ourselves first. I think we should give first. I think that is the thing. There's something about the first fruits in which we'll go into that in another podcast. But yeah, there's something about planting that seed, giving first, making that the priority as the uh, the first thing we should do. Second mm-hmm. on the list should be paying ourselves. And then after that, we live on the rest, okay? So a lot of circles talk about a lot of Christian circles in which I really like this, this 10, 10, 80 plan in terms of breaking down your income into these categories. So 10% mm-hmm. give, 10% save, and then 80% live off of that. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I mean, they teach this in children's school, but that's a whole, <laughs> that's the thing about this. It's so amazing. Like you take all the lessons learned in ch- uh, Sunday school and if you actually just did them for the rest of your life, you'd have an amazing life. Like, <laughs> It's really so simple. So many things are so simple, but we just overcomplicate mm-hmm. it or we dismiss it because it's simple. Right. That's really like uh, so much of this stuff is stuff that you can learn as a five-year-old, which is great. That's what I love about the gospel. That's what I love mm-hmm. about the way Jesus communicated sure. is that it's it doesn't have to be a super complicated stuff. Mm-hmm. But when we make a habit of paying ourselves first... This is something that wealthy people know to do. And this is something that people who find themselves in a recurring lack of, um, you know, or, or a, a recurring pattern of having lack, like this was a thing. This was what I was doing all the time, like not paying myself first. Like everything was robbing Peter to pay Paul. And I, kept, mm-hmm. I found myself in this vicious cycle. And the way that I broke out of that on a very practical level, like one of the first things I did was this, was how can I make a sacrifice now? When it's really inconvenient because I'm so broke and I'm dead up to my eyeballs, but how can I make a little sacrifice now that I know is going to benefit me years down the road? Well, there's such wisdom in this tiny little thing of just, it's just 10% going to, you know, hopefully savings and giving, right? It's just this, this tiny fraction that you can take and do something else with and how it actually is a domino effect for the other things in your life. So... I feel like if you're paying attention to how much you are saving, giving, if you're, if you're taking a percentage out and you're not spending a hundred percent of it, all of a sudden you're a little bit more careful with what you have left because you know that you want this to go. And I think it's the same with working out. When you work out, you're just a little bit more careful with what you eat. Maybe you're not wildly trying to change your diet. Maybe you are, but a lot of times if you just start working out, you're kind of like, I just worked out. Do I really want to eat? Do I want to put that junk back in my body that I just worked to get out? Or could I help myself along a little bit? I mean, it's just, it just poses the question. Yeah, I it think. gives you fuel and momentum mm-hmm. to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is such a wise thing that, again, seems so simple and just like, well, everybody's been telling me to do that. Well, I think the question is, are you actually doing it? Mm-hmm. Or did you dismiss it because it seemed too simple? Yeah. Number two on his list is it's not about how much you earn, but it's about how much you keep. And mm-hmm. again, like all every all the points that we're talking about here are really common sense. Like, so when you say keep, what does that mean? Save, not spend. I think okay. we'll say it that way. Okay. But uh, but yeah, it's another thing that's like, oh yeah, I think we know this. We all know this, but are we allowing this to affect our um, like? Do we really understand it? Are we allowing this to affect our mindset and our belief mm-hmm. about money? You know, so for example, you have two different people: one who earns a hundred thousand dollars a year, another one who earns a million dollars a year. But if they both spend 100% of what they earn 10 years from now, 40 years from now, they have the same amount of money. It doesn't matter. You know, and you could have this person who is um, earning $100,000 a year but living off of uh, 80 
you know, and then giving and saving that 20,000, or let's just take 10% and say he's giving 10% of that. And then again, that other person with a million dollars a year who's spending all of it 40 years down the road, the guy with a million has zero. Like, it's easy to see this from that perspective, but it's just hard for us to kind of put it into action mm-hmm. and to take action on it. But that's yeah. the key. That's yeah. the key is believing it, understanding it, and taking action on it. Right. You know what I mean? Because this is one of those things that people with a poverty mindset, regardless of how much they're making, whether it's 10000 100000 or a million a year, if you don't believe that anything is ever going to come out of it and you're ever going to be able to have right. any substantial savings or pay off debt, like you're going to behave that way. Mm-hmm. And so you're just creating this cycle that you're making it harder yeah. for yourself to break out of. Mm-hmm. So, But really, like if you notice that there is, there's a tiny bit of a, ch- even though it seems like a tiny bit of a change, there is still a change. And a tiny bit over a long period of time ends up being a whole lot of change, yeah. right? Yeah. And I recently wrote about this guy named Ronald Reed. I, w- I was blown away by it. The guy was a lifetime janitor, spent his entire career as a janitor and a gas station attendant. Two jobs. I don't know what his salary was, but I'm sure it wasn't $100,000 a year. Um, I'll bet it was way, way, way less. And he ends up dying when he's, I don't know, 90 years old or something, pretty old. But they come to find out he had like an eight something million dollar net worth, you know, and he had accumulated all this money on a presumably pretty low salary. Right. And a modest salary, if nothing else. The way that he did it, you know, and, and the point to me, it's so amazing is it doesn't matter what your income is. It's what you do with it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the whole point here of this point that we're making is that what are you going to do with the amount you have? And this comes back and take us back to the parable of the talents. Like we are responsible. We are managers for what God has entrusted us with. Mm-hmm. You know, so this can be anything in our life. This can be our time or our kids or our spouse, but it's also our money. Yep. And so we are responsible for managing that. And what are we going to do with it? And just like in the parable of the talents, the ones who managed what they were entrusted with well... They found themselves given more to manage. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I want to be when I grow up. I want to be <laughs> a manager who can be trusted with mm-hmm. whatever has been handed over to us. And God knows that we're going to do the best that we possibly can with it. I want to be someone who is worthy of being trusted with more. Yep. Me too. Right? Yeah. All right. Number three on this number list three. was invest early and invest often. This is one of the things that I've learned from you that you really don't have to have a lot of money to invest. I think this was something I always thought that I had to have a bunch of money to invest. I was working a, you know, maybe slightly above minimum wage job when we first got married. And I remember they were like, do you want to contribute to a 401k or whatever? And in my head, I was like, I don't, I don't understand what that means. And don't I have to have a lot of money to do that? (laughs) But there's a bunch of ways. Oh, yeah. To invest without actually having to have yeah, a like ton of money. Yeah, like everything has changed. I didn't know. Everything has changed in the last couple of decades, you know. So you go back a few decades and it's like, yeah, it's like pretty much only the wealthy people or, yeah, it was mostly the wealthy people who were investing. But like everything has changed with technology to where any of us can start investing, you know, even with $100 or less. And the opportunity is available to all of us. And so, yeah, if you want to go invest with a financial advisor, those types of situations, oftentimes advisors, you want you to have a significant amount of money, you know, to invest with them. Not always, but that's fairly common. But if you want to do it yourself, um, there's a lot of ways to do it. Still very safe Mm -hmm. and do it in a way where you don't need tons of money. 
it's just it's just a different world. It's a completely different world, and I don't think uh, I think a lot of people just haven't realized that yet. Well, and um, what's that thing with the um, investing in real estate? Yeah, Fundrise. We've done a. I did a video about Fundrise. And that was one thing we were What's reviewed. the lowest amount you can? I think that one's five hundred dollars, and so you can invest in real estate for as little as five hundred dollars. And we've been doing that three or four years, which is way better than you know a hundred thousand or two hundred. Oh yeah, you don't have to buy a house, you know, right? And it's like one hundred percent passive, which is one of the things I like about it a lot. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and like that's been returning. I went, I just calculated our returns on that for the last four years or something, and I want to say it's like. Eight and a half, nine percent, or something. Not bad. That's great. Like I'm tickled pink with that. And that was actually on the more conservative option. They have three different options in terms of how they invest for you, and that's the more conservative one. Um, and so I actually increased that to the higher, the slightly more aggressive one. And I'm going to see how things go over the next few years. But mm-hmm. anyway, so that's one option. Like there's a whole bunch of different options. We did another video about um, app called Acorns, which I really like as oh, well. Yeah. You can start with a dollar on that. You know, it's so simple. But and that's really a for someone who doesn't want to really be involved at all. 100% hands off, that's like mean. super simple. <laughs> um, so yeah, you can check out, go to YouTube and check out, search for either of those in Seed Time, Acorns in Seed Time, or Fundrise in Seed Time, and you can watch our videos on both of them. But just here's the thing: like right now, savings account rates are so terrible that you're losing money if you have money in a savings account. Okay. Um, your now, mattress. Now, your dollar, yeah, if it's buried in your <laughs> in your backyard or in your mattress, it's the same thing. And the reason it is is because it's not like the actual money is disappearing, but the, the spending power of that money is disappearing with inflation. So right. that $100 you have in your savings account, every year it becomes less valuable. It's not going to buy as much stuff over each year that passes. And as inflation has been increasing a lot lately – it's just e- eroding your spending power of money that you have in savings. So if you go back to the early 80s or something, we had savings account rates that were over 10%, you know, I think maybe even 15% in some cases, like just crazy high. That's a different world. You know, like if you can get savings rates like that, it's like, by all means, that's great. <laughs> but right now, if you want to not have all your money eroded away, like you need to be invested in something. Like that's how you're going to beat the pace of inflation. Okay. And so even, so this is just one quick example here. I've sitting in front of me here. Uh, if you, right now, savings account rates are about 0.1%, like on average. You might be able to find some it's better like ones, nothing. even half a percentage. But that's pretty much as good as it's going to get right now. And so if you have an initial investment of $1,200 right now, so say you have $1,200 in your savings account, okay, at 0.1%, 40 years from now, that is going to be worth $50,000. Great, right? But if it's in the stock market, assuming a 9% return, it's not going to be 50000 It's going to be 479000 Okay. So you're literally talking almost- Are you sold yet? <laughs> almost 10 times as much- by having it invested in the stock market than just sitting in a savings account like that. And that's with the $1,200. Yeah. And so I need to add one other piece. So this is, I need to add another caveat here that I forgot to add. This is with an additional deposit of $100 per month, you know, for the next 40 years. I forgot to add that part. That's an important piece. Okay. Okay. But point is, the number still remains. You're going to have about 10 times as much if you're investing in the stock market, assuming 9% return over that time versus Mm -hmm. a savings account. Wow. So it's just... Night and day difference. Yeah. And that's a whole nother thing we can get into more. We'll talk more about that as we go forward. But let's talk about the fourth point. So know what you own, which is the difference between assets and liabilities. And I've talked about this multiple times in the past, but 
This is from uh, Robert Kiyosaki in his book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. First money book I ever read, probably nearly 20 years ago now. <laughs> and this was the thing that stuck out to me most. I'm going to read you just one quote from the book. And this is the thing that revolutionized how I think about money. And it seems like not that big of a deal, but like, let this sink in, okay? He said, rich people acquire assets. The poor and middle class acquire liabilities that they think are assets, an asset is something that puts money in my pocket. A liability takes money out of my pocket. As I began to think about this, oh, go ahead. I would love to hear an example of what we think is an asset, but is actually a liability. Well, one of the things he, he specifically mentions is your house. Typically, um, middle class people believe their house is an asset, and. Yes. Like if you're, if you're calculating your net worth or your assets under management, as we like to call it, yeah, you, you will put that in the assets column. But Kiyosaki argues that I don't want to call anything an asset unless it's actually bringing money to me. So he would say that a rental property that is yielding me positive cash flow each month, huh. as in it's yielding me $100 or $200 positive cash flow each month, that is putting money in my pocket. So he is taking it more to the extreme. He is. Okay. That's okay. Yeah, but that's but my point is is that that's how the wealthy think. Right, and they're thinking about what can put money in my pocket yeah. rather than exactly what do I want? Yeah, yeah, and so and and, and I think that bigger like whether or not a house is an asset or not, like that's not as big of a concern. The bigger mm -hmm. issue is the fact that so many of us will spend fifty thousand dollars on a car that is going to. Like completely the opposite of an asset. Right. That is just going to go down in value to next to nothing over the next 10 years. And it's something you can use, but... It's something that you can use, but you can also buy a car for $5,000. <sighs> you know what I mean? Like... I mean, or anywhere in between, honestly. Yeah, but the point is understanding right. what is an asset, what is the thing that is going to build your wealth, mm -hmm. and what is the things, or what are the things that are going to take away from that. And that's the big takeaway. That's mm -hmm. the aha that I had that made me think about car buying differently ever since. Mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean that we'll never have a nice car and that we'll always just drive hunk of junk beaters. You but, know, Bob wants that Tesla. But it does mean <laughs> that I'm going to think long and hard about any car purchases that I make. Okay. Well, this is one of the, this, I mean, this is interesting. This is a perfect example. Is like you've talked about the Tesla mm -hmm. and... They're coming out with self-driving capabilities and you're like, so you can basically rent out your car or you can farm out your car for Uber or whatever and your car can drive itself around and you can be making money yeah. <laughs> while you're sitting at home on the couch. Yeah. It's out making you money, which would be a real liability according to Robert Kiyosaki, no, right? No, not really. Or not, not a liability, an asset, an asset I mean. Yeah. Yeah, no. So for anybody who has <laughs> this is how Bob thinks. These are the conversations we have all the time. I'm not even kidding. So yeah, I came to you and I told you. So Elon came out, <laughs> and this was probably a couple of years ago now, and basically said once all of these, um, all of his Teslas are uh, fully autonomous and can drive by themselves, he's like they're going to create an Uber competitor where. <laughs> yeah, like your car, like Knight Rider, will just go drive It'll around. Uber. Yeah, I guess. Like <laughs> Knight Rider will go drive around and pick people up and take them places. And then when it's done, it'll come back to your garage and just park itself. And your car will just be making you money. And Bob was like, I think we could get a Tesla. <laughs> 
I mean, so that is really exciting to think about. Yeah. And yeah, like that changes the game. Yeah. Because yeah, I'll spend $80,000 on a car if it's going if it's to pay going for to itself. Make, yeah. And, and, and continue to make continue our money. Continue to make money. Yeah, because like their new batteries are supposed to go like a, a million miles or something. Like, Can um, you imagine having your car for a million miles? How long do you think it would take society to get over like having your car past? A hundred or two hundred thousand miles if they make a battery that's able to go a million miles. I have no idea. I don't know. It's going to take a long time. All that stuff takes a long time. People still, like, this is something I wrote about in the book. Um, There's so many people who just still, like, as soon as a car hits a hundred thousand miles, it's like, I got to sell it. I got to sell it. It's like, yeah, maybe you did in the 70s and 80s even. But, like, now, like, that's just not the way it works. Like, so many cars you know, are proven to go so much past that. We drove our Honda Fit. What was we that? drove that 157,000 miles without an issue. And then we sold it to some guy. And I'll bet he's still driving that thing around. And that was with a lawnmower engine in it. Like that thing. <laughs> that thing was tiny. You know, our Honda Pilot. That was we drove a great car though. 200, that was over 250,000 miles, yeah. our Honda Pilot. And the only reason we got rid of it is because we needed a minivan. Like, I still would be driving that car. I love that car. I, yeah. I think it's possible we might have even kept it. The air conditioner did break. Yeah, but, but the that, engine. But the engine was good. The engine good. was fine. We, we talked about replacing. Anyway. So, the l- point the is, thing. is that it's a different era and we're not stuck in this thing where you have to get rid of a car at 100,000 miles. Like, true. Um, yeah. So, okay. so these are some of the points here uh, <laughs> that we wanted to get across and... Yeah, took the scenic route getting took there. The scenic route a little bit, <laughs> but point is, we want to start talking a little bit about mindset and um, how we can start shifting and improving our mindset. And mm-hmm. I think, I think it begins with prayer. I think it begins with talking to God and like opening up and allowing Him to change our beliefs. You right? Because we don't all all have the same wrong beliefs either. You yeah, because there's mean? no limit to all the different wrong beliefs, and it's all based right. on things that happened to us and what mm-hmm. we dealt with. You know, what our experiences were with this person or this person or or debt or, you know, so, so it's different for all of us. That's why it has to be a, let's go to God and talk to him about this and identify what are those things. Yeah. And then the other step there is like actually allowing him to change them for you. Yeah, which is uncomfortable. being open to the change of like, I never thought about it that way. And I don't even know if I can get there. Like the, the car thing of like, Mm -hmm. once you drive it over a hundred thousand miles, it's going to, the whole thing's going to blow up on you. It's like... That is a belief that it takes a while to like change it. But I mean, that's what's so great about the power of God. And this Caroline Leaf, this doctor, what is she, a a neuroscientist or something? When she talks about this, she's like, the way we change these patterns in our brain is by renewing our mind with the word of God. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I just think that that is awesome, that we can always change. We can always get better. And we never have to stop. Yeah. Until we get to heaven. And then, yeah. of course, the veil will be lifted and <laughs> it'll be awesome in heaven. It'll be awesome. All right. Well, that's all for today. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if this was helpful for you, share with a friend. Um, we always appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and then we'll get to say hi to your friend. And maybe your friend's listening now and we can say hi. I don't <laughs> know. I'm getting too meta here or something. Anyway, that's all for today. Have a great day. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the Seed Time Money Podcast. And remember, money isn't the goal, but it's simply a tool to help you fulfill your purpose and your calling. And we'd love to help you achieve true financial freedom faster with our email newsletter. So if you want exclusive money tips and hope-filled encouragement in your inbox, head over to SeedTime.com to get signed up. Knock, knock. Who's there? Leaf. 
Leaf who? Leave us a review on iTunes, please. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Know we are praying for you, and we'll see you in the next episode. Peace.